Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. All right. Thank you, Sierra. We're excited about the future. So many great things are happening. We encourage you to take advantage of each of those. This morning, we are continuing our series called Building Blocks of Faith. In the first week, we talked about how Christ is our foundation and that if we don't solidify the foundation, if we don't have the right foundation, then the house of faith or any house will crumble. And so Jesus is our foundation. When he's our foundation, he's our priority, he's our purpose, and he's our passion. And once the foundation is laid, then it's important that we make sure that we build the house of faith with the right materials. And so the first week, we talked about the building block of togetherness and how important it is that as we walk out our relationship with Jesus, that we do that in relationship with one another, that we would walk it out together. And so this is that moment in the service where I again get to talk about small groups that are launching this week and everybody's excited about it. And you're like, how do I sign up for small groups? You take your phone out and you open up the the phone app on your phone and you scan the QR code on the seat in front of you and click on the small groups. There are men of iron small groups for men. There are sisterhood small groups for women. There are sermon-based small groups on Wednesday nights and electives that are happening and grief share and divorce care and so many different options. And I said this last week and I'm just saying it again. If all you get from the service today is that you went down the rabbit trail of all of the different small groups and you got signed up for one, I would call that a success. You can always go back and re-listen to what we talked about, but don't miss out on small groups this session. Look at the person sitting beside you and say, have you signed up? Have you signed up? Okay. Oh, I heard a law. I heard, I heard a loud no. So uh, maybe just like, just a, a sweet little nudge to be like, he's talking to you. You best pull out your phone and scan that QR code right now and get signed up. Because again, as we talk about this building block of faith, it's so important that we do this together. Last week, we talked about the building block of empowered by the spirit. We don't do anything in our own strength and our own ability. We need the power of the spirit to live out this faith. If you've missed any of these these messages, we'd encourage you to go back and listen online at crosspointwaverly.com, find us on Facebook or YouTube, or take a listen on Spotify. Well, today we're going to talk about the building block of worship. And so this is why Pastor Levinsky is up here uh, with me. I asked him, I said, brother, I'm preaching on worship. Would you be willing to help tag team on a message on worship? And he said, yes. And I can't think of a better person to help me talk about worship this morning than Pastor. Oh, I love it. They're primed up. So the foundation is the most important step and it's the most uh, vital one. And as I think about all of the building blocks that we've talked about and that we'll continue to talk about today and in the future, the foundation has to be that, that it's Christ. And as we look at these building blocks, I can't identify one that's more important than the other. I, I think they all uh, are very important and each one is what builds that house of faith. But I think if I could borrow a different metaphor this morning for worship, it would be this. That, that, that worship is the rebar and the concrete that holds things together and strengthens it. 
You know, that uh, it just adds that strength to it and it gives it structure. And so there is a prevailing ideology that has ingrained itself in our culture that's caused so much damage. And that ideology is that the most important thing in the world is me. And some of you are like, I don't think you're very important. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about how we live in a me-centered world, right? Where we think that we are the center of the universe and it's a damaging ideology. And so we live in a world where the individual is at the center of the universe and there's nothing more important than worshiping self. And I just wanna tell you this morning, I I think self-care is important. But when we put ourselves above God, it's idolatry. And so as we build this house of faith, we recognize that individually last week we talked about this, that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? And then collectively, as we gather together in the name of Jesus to worship him, then he's present with us. And so the foundation is Christ. Jesus is at the top of our priority list. He is the center of our world and the center of our universe, not us. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So this morning, I want us to take a look at two pieces of scripture, um, beginning in 2 Samuel chapter 6. I want us to look at the life of David. Uh, David is portrayed as a man after God's own heart. He demonstrates how God would like for us to worship him. And oftentimes, oftentimes we approach God with what is convenient to us. We worship God with what is most comfortable. We worship God with what is the most easiest thing to do. And if we can be honest with ourselves, most of the time we worship God, the creator, how we want to worship him. Wow. But can I propose something different to you, Some, something that is more accurate, more true to what the Bible says of how we need to worship God. But before we even get to the text, I want to ask a question. It's, a, it's an important question. question. Why worship? Why worship? You know, every week I carefully choose songs that will help elevate our faith. You know, I look at the lyrics, and if something isn't biblically accurate or biblically sound or goes against the word of God, we're not going to sing on a Sunday morning. We're just not going to do it. But a lot of the songs that we sing on Sunday morning talks about the goodness of God. It talks about how God is faithful, how he's true to his word, how he he is the way maker. He is the miracle working God. He is everlasting. And so why do we sing songs as if God needs to be reminded of his attributes? Mm. Is it because he's a forgetful God? Is it because he's a prideful God or is it because he's a narcissist and just thinks so highly of himself? No. God is not forgetful. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And so we don't remind God of who he is, but we worship God and we sing how God is good to remind ourselves how God is good. And how he is faithful and how he is the way maker. He is the miracle working God. He yeah. is true to his word. He is everlasting. That's good. That's good. We remind ourselves of his faithfulness. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 13 through 15, it says this. When those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Somebody say might. Might. 
And David was wearing the linen ephod. So David and all the house of the Israelites, Israel, brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a horn. Yeah. David distinguished himself as a worshiper. And in the passage that Pastor Levinsky just read, it said that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And I know that you all are visual people, so uh, I, I, I think this might be what that looked like. I've got my hopes high. You make my hopes rise. I've got my hopes high. You hold my whole life. I've got my hopes high. You make my hopes rise. Do you need to see that again? I mean, that was amazing. Right, let's take a look at it one more time. I so badly wanted to do that on the stage this morning. I said, Alyssa, you know, at the studio, I was like, can you teach me how to do that? And she's like, I don't think so, you know? Like, I I so badly just want to do something of that right now, and I just can't do it. But that's what I think about when I think about that David danced with all of his might. And the Bible tells us in the same passage that Pastor Levinsky read just later in the passage, it said that David's wife criticized him and said, that looks ridiculous. And David's like, you think that looks ridiculous. I will become even more undignified than this. When we read the scriptures, we see David's heart postured towards God in worship to him. And this would serve him well throughout his life. David was far from perfect. In fact, we read in 2 Samuel where David did some pretty heinous things. He used his power as the king to sleep with a married woman. As a result, Bathsheba became pregnant and David tried to scheme with Uriah to get her husband to come off of the battlefield and sleep with his wife to try to cover up what they had done. And when this man was unwilling to do that, then David put Uriah up on the front lines of battle and had him killed. It's a horrible story with a horrible outcome. And we think, how in the world could someone who was described as a worshiper, how could someone who's a follower of Jesus do such a thing? The fallout from this was significant. In fact, the prophet Nathan confronts David. He tells him of the things that he's done, and he tells him that the sword will never leave his family and that he'll lose his firstborn son. It's bad news. The fact that David was a worshiper didn't keep him from sinning. It didn't make him perfect. But when he did, take a listen to what he did in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 18. It says, on the seventh day the child died, And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He's dead. Then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the power that it has to transform our lives. God, we ask that over the next few moments, that no matter how we've come into this place today, that that we'll realize that we serve a God that's faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins to you. And so, God, at the end of this service today, 
Would we all walk out of here inspired to worship and to praise you at a whole new level? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. And so David commits adultery. He gets a man killed. And these are treacherous incidents. And then he gets confronted by the prophet Nathan, and he loses his firstborn son. These are very real events that happen in the life of a man who clearly isn't perfect. He doesn't have it all together. He's got a lot going on, right? But what's inspirational is what he does next. He doesn't shut God away. He doesn't leave the church. He doesn't bash God. But instead, he goes into the house of the Lord and he worships. He worships. He doesn't wait to get clean. He doesn't wait to get his life right. He goes into the house of the Lord and he worships. And that's the beauty of the gospel is this, that you don't have to wait to get clean. You don't have to wait to get it all, get it all put together because Jesus is the one that makes us clean. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's good. The word of the Lord says that Jesus is in the process of trading our filthy rags for righteousness. And so I want to play keys for a little bit if, to help illustrate this message. Is that all right yes. if I could play keys for a sec? And so I don't know what you've come in with. Maybe you're facing a giant that you thought you'd never faced before. Maybe you're, dealing, you're, you're in the valley right now. You thought that you would never be in this valley, and now you're trying to figure out how long, is, how long are you going to walk through this valley. Maybe... You're dealing with some past hurts that you thought you'd be able to get over, but you're still dealing with it. Or maybe you're that person in the room right now and you're asking yourself, you're saying, hey, Pastor Levinsky, you don't even know what I did last night. And you're expecting me to worship with all of my might. Or maybe you're that person that's watching online and you're asking, Pastor Levinsky, you don't know what I did moments before I even got on Facebook to watch the service today. And you're asking me to worship with all of our might. But what would it look like whenever we face trials, whenever we're walking through the valleys, whenever we're going through hardships, that we worship our way through? David committed adultery. He had his mistress husband killed. He, he lost his firstborn son. And with a repentant heart, he enters the temple of God and he worships. And it, I, I can't help but imagine what David would look like if he were to live today in this modern day world, still going through what he went through. I would imagine he would sit behind the piano. And he would sing the lyrics that we sang moments ago. It sounds something like this. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working. All things for good. Check this out. Now fix my eyes on heaven. God, I receive your vision. God, I believe you're working. All things for good. What powerful lyrics to remind our souls of God's faithfulness, 
of God's goodness. Yeah. He is moving. Yeah. He is speaking. Right. He is working all things for good. Yeah. And we sing songs like these when we sing them and we mean it in our hearts. Our faith is strengthened. Right. You know, I love what Mackenzie says all the time, my wife. She says, praise before the breakthrough. Praise before the breakthrough. And like David saying, when he worshiped the Lord after committing sin in Psalms 51, verse 1 and 2, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love and according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. See, David is having a real moment with God that he can't clean himself. He's not God. But he's having a real moment and realizing that only God can clean him. Yeah, it's so good. Worship is an experience. It's both expressive and introspective. And we see in 2 Samuel chapter 6 that David was very expressive during worship. And the context of this passage starts with the realization that God's presence dwelt where the ark of the Lord was placed. We see throughout the Testament that where the ark was, you can guarantee that the presence of the Lord was there also. During that time, the ark was located in Kiryat Yerim, and King David knew the importance of having the ark in Jerusalem. Rather than doing his research, he just took it upon himself and gathered the men of Israel to move the ark, and he didn't follow the specific instructions that God had for the way that the ark should be moved. David decided to place the ark on a new cart, and God didn't want that. God wanted the ark to be carried by the Levite. Those were his specific instructions. So can you imagine with me what the Israelites were thinking when they brought the new cart before King David? I would imagine that they said something like this. Look, we have a new cart for the ark of God. God will be very pleased with our new cart. They thought that the new technology or the luxury could cover over their ignorant disobedience. This evangelist named Redpath said this. We want God's presence very much, don't we? But we like to hitch his presence to some of our new carts. We like to add him to our list of organizations to load him on top of mechanics of busy life and then drive. How much of our service is really in the energy of flesh, I wonder, so often we put forth our hands, but not our hearts. In 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 6, verse 10 says that the Philistines stole the ark of God and they placed it on a cart and they got away with it. And the reason why they got away with it is because they didn't know any better. But God expected more from his people. He, the Israelites were God's chosen people. And like the Israelites, we are God's chosen people as well. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, you are God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved. What we want to do today is really just lay out why we worship, what God expects from us in worship, and how we can practically, in a worship service like this, do this. And the things that we're going to talk about can be done corporately in a setting like this, but also during the week as you have your own individual time with God, as you read your Bible, as you spend time in prayer, and as you spend time in worship, you can practice some of the very things that, that we're talking about. I love worship. God has created all of us to worship. And one of the things that I hear about Iowans, and we're a transplant to Iowa. We've been here for over 20 years. And so I hope that like y'all consider us Iowans now, even though I use funny words like y'all and sometimes have an accent, right? But so some of you are shaking your head no. Well, you know, I'm coming for you. So here it comes right here. Okay. So what I hear about Iowans is we're just reserved. Pastor, we're just reserved. 
Iowans were reserved. Mm. Mm. We're just going to sit quietly in this service because we're Iowans and we're reserved. Pastor Levinsky, we had an experience yesterday, didn't we? Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that experience was being surrounded by 61,000 other people in the Jack Trice Stadium. I don't have the data to support this, but it seems only reasonable to me that that stadium was filled with primarily people from Iowa or with Iowa roots. I don't think many people from the Caribbean or from Mexico or from Europe flew to be part of the game yesterday in Ames, right? I doubt that people from across the country were like, if there's a team that I could cheer on that I'm not from that state, it's going to be Iowa State or Iowa, right? So, I mean, does it seem reasonable to you? Am I on the right track? Do you think that the stadium was filled with Iowa people? Does that just seem reasonable? Someone say no if you don't think so, because it's important. Okay, great. Hearing no objection. Here's my point. Pastor Levinsky, you were sitting on the Iowa State side. Would you say that those fans were reserved? Not at all. Wow. I was sitting on the Iowa side, and my experience was the same. My side was losing their minds at this football game. Your side was losing their minds in this football game, and these were reserved Iowans. I'm not saying that we should take our cues from, for worship from the world. But what I am saying is if we cheer louder for our teams at a football game than what we do for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if we cheer louder at a football game than what we do when a young lady is raised up out of the water and raised to life in baptism, I'm telling you, we can do better. Yeah, come on. Come on. You know what else? Like that was a moment just then. And that's like a moment when we can put our hands together and we can clap and we can say amen. I'm not going to try it again, but like we're just talking about how we can worship in a setting like this. And so, uh, yes, so we can, do, we can do better. Jesus deserves better. And so let's take the remainder of this service today. We're going to talk about five different praise breaks. And what's fun is Pastor Levinsky and I, a few weeks ago, I asked him, I said, I'm going to be preaching about worship. Would you help me? And you said yes. And we started putting together some ideas. And without talking to, to PG, and we weren't trying to keep things secretive from him, it just didn't, uh, what we were planning didn't involve him. And so this week in the staff meeting, he said, as we're talking about talking about praise, he said, we're doing the same thing in kids' church. And he said, we're gonna have these five different praise breaks. And so I'm just telling you, he and I ripped off these five praise breaks from PG. And so take notes, right? Take notes, because they're good. And, uh, and this is what your kids are learning about today. So it'll be fun for you to talk about this on your way home. All right, all right. So the first praise break is shout. And we get that from Psalms 100, verse one. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. I love Psalms 100. These short five verses really set the tone for how we should worship God. And it's easy for us to remember where these verses are because it inspires us to give 100% in worship. See, in in Joshua chapter 6, God says to Joshua that he is going to give Israel the city of Jericho. 
Now, if you're unfamiliar with that passage, I'm going to sum it up real quick. But I would also encourage you later this week to read that passage so that you too can get familiar with it as well. But here's what happened. God gives the Israelites this crazy plan to take the city of Jericho. And all they have to do is march around the city seven times and then the walls will fall. And we see this in Joshua chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. It says, on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only at that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at that seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. See, the Lord has given us the victory, and sometimes a shout of praise is the most appropriate response. And so we're going to practice that today. And some of you are like, wait, what? (laughs) You're going to have me shout? Yes, we're going to have you shout. But we're not going to shout as if we're shouting for no reason, but we're shouting with a purpose. Because God deserves our best. He deserves our 100% in worship. And so on the count of three, when I count to three, I want you to shout his name, shout Jesus. And I can't think of any other name than the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that has power. And so when I count to three, I don't want you to hold back. This is not an awkward moment. This is not a silly moment, but we are worshiping and we are shouting with a purpose. You guys ready? You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus! One more time. We're going to do it together. Here we go. One, two, three. Jesus! Love it. That was so good. That was something. That was amazing. The next praise break that we're going to talk about is, uh, is speaking praise. When we use our words to express praise to God, the psalmist David said it like this in Psalm chapter 51, verse number 15. He says, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Think about the words that we say on a daily basis. And the psalmist said, open my lips, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Morning, noon, and night, we can declare the praise of God. There are multiple times throughout the day where it warrants for us to declare the praise of God. And and there are all kinds of phrases that we can say in praise to God. We can say, God, you're great and worthy to be praised. You are worthy, God. We praise you. Sometimes it might just be the simple phrase of, God, you're so good. Psalm chapter 22, verse 3 says, You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Praises and praise invites God to come into the room to dwell. And so we use our mouth to say phrases like, God, you're so good. We're going to sing that chorus together. And we'd encourage each of you to use your mouth, to use your lips. And let's, in this moment, declare the goodness of God. You're so good to me. Well, come on, we sing together. God, you're so good. Oh, God, you're so good. That's it, that's it. Come on. Oh, God, you're so good in every situation. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. 
one more time. Come on, can we sing together? God, you're so good. Oh God, you're so good. When I'm walking in the valley, I sing. Oh God, you're so good. When I'm in the mountaintops and everything's going good. Oh God, you're so a shout of praise he is worthy of our praise come on and so watch how this works we wake up in the morning and there's breath in our lungs and what can we say we if you don't know anything else to say you can say god you're so good right so so this is a response time we wake up in the morning and we say god you're so good right we drop our kids off at school and we declare we're on our way to work and we say Someone cuts us off on the way at work. Come on, what do we say? God, you're so good, right? Because they didn't hit us. We didn't hit them. We didn't flip them the bird. We didn't lose our salvation. What do we say? In every moment of every day, there are multiple times a day where we can use our mouths to declare praise to God. And for some of you, it might just be as simple as God, you're so good. Come on. So the next praise break is be still. And we get this in Psalms 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is always speaking. We serve a living God. So he's always speaking. And when we're in a one-on-one conversation with another person and that person is speaking, what do we do? We We listen. That's the respectable thing to do, right? And I'm not saying that this happens all the time. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife, Mackenzie. She's in the front row. But there are times when we would talk, and she would get done talking, and she would ask the question, now, did you get that? Mm. Mm. Did you hear what I just said? And sometimes I'll respond by saying, yeah, I got it. (laughs) I know the plan. I know that date. I heard every word you said. And then moments later, I kind of have to take the walk of shame. (laughs) Sorry, honey. (laughs) I didn't hear a word you said. (laughs) See, I was listening, but I wasn't actively listening. There's a difference. And we see in, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, it says, And when he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the, in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And sometimes we need to quiet our souls. We need to stop singing. We need to stop shouting. We need to stop lifting up our praise so then that way we can stop and listen to what God has to say. To listen to that still, small 
voice. Another thing that we need to do as we corporately worship the Lord is to meditate. And we get this in Psalm 77, verse 12. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Meditating on the goodness of God as we worship him is another way to build our faith. Because it's reminding us of his goodness, of his faithfulness and what he's done for us. That his word is true and that he is the way maker, the miracle working God. And so this doesn't have to be awkward does not have to be weird and some of you might be thinking oh my you want me to be still be quiet yes and so in this moment right now we're going to practice that together we're going to be still we're not going to be still for the sake of being still but we're going to be still and open up our ears to hear what God has to say to us. We're going to be still and meditate on the goodness of God and continue to remind ourselves and to be filled up with his presence. And so we're going to do that right now. Let's be still before the Lord. When we practiced this this week, I didn't anticipate how powerful that this moment would be. You know, and even wondering, like, what's the appropriate amount of time? You know, like, at what point will people be looking at me like, did you lose your notes? Did you forget that the rest of the message is still there for us to, to, to move forward with? And, you know, even just for that 60 seconds for there to be quiet is powerful we live in a world that's so noisy and so loud and I just think for us to take those moments and still be still and be quiet and hear from the voice of God is powerful and I know for some of you in the room this morning you were like that was really uncomfortable right and I would encourage you sometimes to embrace what's uncomfortable and uh because even as an extrovert uh, like we, we need quiet and, uh, the next praise break that we're going to talk about is a little more expressive than that introspective. And so extroverts in the room are like, thank you, Jesus. We're, we're moving forward from that. We got done with that. And the next one is going to be clapping. So Psalm chapter 47, verse number one says, Oh, clap your hands. All you peoples shout to God with a voice of triumph, clap your hands. All you people shout to God with a voice of triumph. And so, um, there are multiple times throughout the service where 
it's appropriate for us to clap. And during the first song this morning, uh, we're all clapping like this. Pastor Levinsky, will you demonstrate what was happening? And then will you all just join along and clap along with Pastor Levinsky? That's amazing. Bro, that's amazing. Next week during the first and second song, that's how they're going to respond. Like everybody's going to clap along just like that. That's that it. was amazing. And that was, was so good. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap yes, of praise come on. this morning? So there are these moments where we celebrate and we do that. And yesterday at the game, you know, there were moments where this sign appeared. That one. Yeah, and so I just want to tell you that it's all right in a church service to get loud. So let's one more time give the Lord a hand clap and a shout of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. And so the other thing that we do with our hands, it leads me to the final praise break, is to raise our hands. And we get this from Psalm 63, verse 4, says, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And think of the times, the the days when you were in grade school. What did you do when you needed to get your teacher's attention? Lift up your hands. Hey, teacher, I'm over here. Pick me. And that's what we do when we worship God, is we lift up our hands to posture ourselves, to remind our souls that we need God's attention. We need his attention. Think of a toddler. What does a toddler do when he or she needs to be picked up? Lifts up their hands, right? He's signaling to his mom and to his dad, hey, I want you to pick me up. Hey, I need you to pick me up. And it's the exact same thing that we do when we lift our hands in worship. We don't lift our hands just to lift our hands, but we lift our hands to posture ourselves, to remind ourselves, to remind our souls that we need God and we need God to pick us up. And so I want us all to practice that right now. So let's all They don't have to be weird, but let's all lift up our hands together. Let's remind our souls that we need God and we need him to pick us up. Look around the room. Look around the room. There is something to be said when we as the body of Christ come together in one place And we worship God. And we posture ourselves physically. It's a whole lot easier to worship God when we are doing it together. It's a whole lot easier. And at the end of the day, our faith is built up. And that's what it's all about. So good. What we try to do today is really lay out a case for some things to do in worship that we see in the Bible. And I have a strange confession to make to you, and it's this, that I didn't grow up watching a whole lot of sports. I played sports, but 
Uh, I didn't grow up watching a whole lot of sports or have a team selected, and I got married to Erica, and my wife started cheering on the Green Bay Packers. And uh, some of you are like, boo, and some of you are like, yeah. But, but here's the point. We went to a game up in Minneapolis, and it was the first NFL game that I'd ever gone to in my entire life. And I'm just telling you, I had no idea what to do. I was bound up like this. I kid you not. People around me are yelling, go pack, go. And I'm so stupid. I'm thinking they're saying, go packs, go. So I'm yelling, go packs, go. As everybody else is yelling, go pack, go. And so I don't know at what point I realized that I wasn't saying what everybody else was saying. But I did come to that realization, which just bound me up even more. And I'm just telling you that when I got past that and I began clapping and cheering and was a participant in what was happening, the game was much more enjoyable. And I have any experience with it. I didn't know what to do. And I just have this visual image of some of you in the church service today that you're like in here what I was like at the Packers and Vikings game. You're just bound up. And you're afraid you're gonna say the wrong thing. You're afraid that you're gonna do the wrong thing. And so rather than participate and do anything, you just let the enemy bind you up in here and you miss out on what all God has for you. And my hope and my prayer this morning is that you would be loosed in worship that those who are bound up this morning would be set free. And that as we go into these next songs, that there will be some of you who will worship in a way and with a passion and authority in a way that you never have before. And so I'm gonna invite you all across this room to stand to your feet. We never wanna pass up an opportunity for people to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you say, today I wanna become a follower of Jesus. The Spirit of God is tugging at my heart right now. I wanna move from being a child of wrath to being a child of God. I wanna move off of the path to destruction and hell into the path of life in an eternity with a Savior who loves me. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time, or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, when I count to three, if that's you, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand, you can put it down. Are there others? Two, three, you can put it down. Four, are there others this morning? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king. Take over every area, take over every aspect and help me from this day forward 
to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap of praise this morning. If you raise your hand, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made today and the journey that God wants to take you on. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. But we're all standing. Our hearts are expecting. And just now, there's an opportunity for us to put into practice what we've just seen from the word of God. And so Pastor Levinsky, would you continue to lead us in worship?
sing. And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever. Oh, come on, as God's people we sing. God, you're so good. Come on, let's lift our voice. We sing. Oh, God, you're so good. In every moment, we sing. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Oh, come on, sing it over your family. Sing it over your work. We sing. God, you're so good. Oh, God. You're so good with everything that you have. Sing God. You're so just like David. Good. Sing with all his might. We sing God. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good. To oh God, you're so good. Oh
calling on the God of Jacob. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me, for me, for me. Let's lift our hands. Let's sing this out together.
opportunity to worship you with all of our mind. We're not holding back, giving you a hundred percent of our worship. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this place. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. We love you. We thank you so much for worshiping with us today. If you need prayer, please stay, stick around a little longer. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, we hope to see you next week, 830, 1015. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.